What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tigers Avenue for episode number 13. Episode number 13. We got a previews for you for football and basketball. Got a few recaps. And we're also going to discuss some of the new hires by the LSU football staff. Let's go ahead and recap, Zach, the Auburn game here a little bit. The LSU Tigers fall for the first time in this season and lose their opening conference game to the Auburn Tigers 55 to 70. Zach, really the story of this game was the same as the rest. Um, defense played well. Um, the offense did not. And we said in the last episode, we needed to score 70 to 75 points to give us a shot in this game. Well, your defense held the the Auburn Tigers, who averaged 81 points a game, to 70 points. So if you score from 70 to 75 points in this game, you really, you know, put yourself in a position to win this game. Um, uh, there was a few dominant performances by Auburn with Kessler almost a rebound away from a triple-double with 11 blocks on the night. Just really took the Tigers out of their offensive rhythm by eliminating the paint because that is where the Tigers need to get the ball uh, to be successful offensively, and he just eliminated that. So you see the Tigers shoot a lot of shots that felt like they were settle shots, and um, the Tigers can't live on the perimeter. They're just not a three-point team. So it really hurt the Tigers offensively um, to have such a dominant presence in the paint like that. The The offense just has to be fixed, and the turnovers have to be fixed. Uh, they really hurt you in this game. And, of course, the loss of Brandon Murray really, I feel like, threw everything out of sync. Um, all year long, we've been uniform with the same starting five. The same guys coming off the bench, Eric Gaines, Terry Eason, Alex Fudge, you know, an eight-man rotation. And then we find out at game time that Brandon Murray isn't ready and you got to start Eric Gaines. And I feel like that through the whole um, game plan, the routine of what LSU goes through, just out of whack, and it hurt us on the offensive side of the ball because Brandon Murray is a little bit of a better shot maker. Uh, he protects the ball a little bit better uh, than Eric Gaines. But it is what it is. The Tigers lose in a way that we really expected them to do so. I feel like our predictions were kind of spot on. Zach, if you would, give me your thoughts on the game and, and maybe some takeaways of, uh, of the game as well. Well, I don't think there's really too much to add to what you said. For the majority of the game, it was very frustrating to watch, but also very predictable. The defense continued to be very impressive, forcing a lot of turnovers. But on the flip side of the ball, the offense was also turning the ball over a lot, which was very frustrating to see. 
Now, the positive thing, I think, is you got to see Justice Williams for the first time. And he struggled early, but he really came on later in the game and actually brought the game to within six points late in the ball game. I think it was somewhere before the under four timeout, not long after the under eight timeout. But he hit a big time three, brought the tires within six, and they just weren't able to capitalize on that. It seemed like every time LSU got close, Auburn just you know was able to hit a big shot, or, or Kessler came in and took over the ball game, and it was just really just the ne- the tires were ever never really able to just finally break through that brick wall, and. You got to give them credit, though. They were resilient twice. They overcame a 17-point deficit and and pulled within very close. So this this team is is capable of coming back. We, we've already seen that multiple times in this season, and it was really good to see that in a big-time matchup against the SC opponent on the road. They could have very easily shut down and gotten completely blown out of this ballgame. But twice they came back from double-digit deficits and made it a ball game. I think, honestly, Reagan, this was probably your toughest test of the SEC. Like, this was probably the biggest game. And it sucks that it was the first game. The only other game that, that might top it is on the road at Bama. And we'll see how that game goes. But Auburn is a really, really good basketball team, and we're going to see that as the rest of the season progresses and as the rest of SEC play progresses, Auburn's going to beat a lot of teams. (laughs) And they're going to go deep in the SEC unless they just have some complete colossal just breakdown. But LSU fans, I don't think we need to be worried because that team was definitely one of the best teams we're going to play, if not the best team that LSU basketball is going to play this season. So although it's hard to watch what we watched on Tuesday night, we got to look forward to tonight and the really big matchup against Kentucky because I think with this being a home game, everybody's going to be packing out the PMAC as the students and fans have been doing here recently with all the success of the men's and women's basketball teams which also a huge shout-out to the women's basketball team. Since the last time we met, they have taken down Georgia and Texas A&M, two ranked teams in SEC play, and that was that was huge for them. Uh, Kim Mulkey is really, really doing a fantastic job of leading this ladies' basketball team. And so the PMAC's going to be packed out, and I, and I hope they do pack it out for this huge, huge matchup against – Kentucky and I have a lot of faith in that game so although this was 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 hard to swallow I think it it was a, a, a hard pill that needed to be swallowed I think it is is something that this team needed they needed to be humbled and all those things that Will Wade had been saying and harping on and you know a lot of the media were like you know why, why is he saying this we're undefeated we're we are you know they look fantastic but his mindset has always been focusing on the problems, on the areas that needed to be fixed because he knew when we got to this moment in SEC play, it was going to cost him. And it did. 
And now everything that he's been saying has come to light, and this team can see that and, and, and recognize that. And hopefully they will take the initiative, and I know they will, I know they are, but hopefully they will take the initiative to to press forward from this and 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 really focus on fixing the problems that need to be fixed, the turnovers, the shooting, all those things. Yeah, I got to agree. I, I mean, I, I think this could actually be a really good thing for the Tigers basketball team. A gut punch may be exactly what they needed. A reality check is maybe exactly what they needed. Now they have game film to say, here it is. This is how it affected the game. This is the moment. You know, Will Wade is going to pick all that apart. And uh, we know how detail-oriented he is. And I promise you he is probably picking that game that game film apart, looking at everything, trying to correct those problems. Um, but yes, tonight is is a big another big matchup. Number sixteen, Kentucky is coming into the PMAC. Um, it's a special night as well. They will be revealing the court as Dell Brown Court in honor of Coach Dell Brown and all his success uh, that he had with the Tigers basketball team. So tip of the cap to him and Dale Brown. Let's preview this game a little bit, Zach. Here. Um, ESPN Power Index has LSU as a 60-40 favorite in this game, and the the betting line is really, really close, giving LSU a one-point favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Zach did get a signed basketball from Dale Brown. But so this, I think this is going to be another close game, but I actually like the Tigers in this game. Um, Kentucky is a good team. There's no question about that. You're going to have to bring your A game again. But the they are not the scoring machine that is Auburn. Um, they are battle-tested. Uh, I mean, they played some pretty big games early on in non-conference. But I like LSU at home. I mean, what we have seen the Tigers do in the PMAC, uh, offensively specifically, has been far better in other games. When we were in neutral sites, when we were at Auburn, I mean, we clearly struggled away um, from home. So I really like the offense to to do better in this game uh, to complement the, the excellent defense. And when you don't have as much as an elite offense as Auburn and your defense is what it is, in LSU, and then you're at home, so you're probably going to shoot better this game. You're going to be more comfortable. You're going to have the home uh, crowd advantage behind you. I like the Tigers in this ball game to win in a in a close one tonight in the PMAC. Zach, what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, Reagan, uh, I have to agree with you. I think this is a game that LSU definitely can win with the the home advantage, the home court advantage. This is going to be a tight ball game, I believe. I think it's going to be, you know, kind of similar to Auburn. I think it's going to be a high 60s, low 70s type game. And right now, Kentucky is averaging around 84 points per game, 
we got to believe that LSU's defense in the same way they have all season and in the same way they did last Tuesday against Auburn, that they're going to hold Kentucky below that average. Right now, Vegas thinks LSU has a one-point favorite. So it's it's really it's really just a coin flip. And that's including with home home court advantage. So technically, you know, Vegas thinks this might actually lean towards Kentucky. The ESPN power index, though, is a completely different ballgame because ESPN power index has LSU at a 60.5% chance to win this game. So the system there definitely uh, favors LSU mightily. I got to believe that LSU is going to win this game. Uh, Tari Eason and X have had some more time to heal. We haven't heard anything on Brandon Murray, but I got to believe he's going to be back this game. I think it was a minor injury he was dealing with or else we would have heard more about it. But I got to believe it's a minor injury that he's dealing with, so he's probably going to be back. I think getting Justice Williams in last game is going to help even more with depth. It's also talked about that Sharif is going to return. It actually was confirmed by him on his Twitter after the Auburn game last week that he is good to go. So we might potentially see Sharif come in and get some minutes for this team. And I think that's going to be huge because you are going to uh, need rebounds in this game and offensive rebounds in this game. And that's exactly what Sharif is meant for this team. He's not meant to come in and, and put up a whole bunch of points and be this amazing score. You know, we, we don't need to compare him to his dad because that's not who this guy is, right? Sharif is a guy that is going to come in. He's going to take some minutes and he is going to get some rebounds. He's going to get some putbacks for you. And he's going to take some fouls that uh, otherwise would be going towards starters and key bench players. So I think having Justice Williams, I think having Sharif are also going to play a, a major role in this game, and I hope that they do. So I think LSU has the slight advantage in this game. I'm going to pick LSU to win, but um, it, this really could go either way. It's a coin flip. Absolutely. I, I, I got to agree with you. I, I like the Tigers here at home in the PMAC uh, on the special night for Dell Brown. Um, yeah, you mentioned Sharif O'Neal. That is a huge get um, specifically for this game with the role he's going to play for rebounding because Oscar Tishweba, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, so I'll probably just completely botch <laughs> that, so forgive me. But he averages, he averages 15 rebounds a game. He averages a double-double, 15 points, 15 rebounds a game. Uh, there was a few games ago he he rebounded twenty eight balls like like that's just unheard of uh, twenty eight rebounds in the game crazy so we got to attack the glass this game so we're gonna see how that plays out but I'm excited to see how it plays out uh, I like the Tigers tonight in the PMAC let's flip over here now to football there's going to be another game tonight following the basketball game and that is the Fighting LSU Tigers on the football field against Kansas State Wildcats in Houston for the Texas Bowl. Which, by the way, the Kentucky game tonight starts at 6 p.m. Central on ESPN, and then 
the football game tonight against Kansas State starts at 8 p.m. on ESPN. So literally you can just turn on ESPN around 6 o'clock, watch your basketball team, and then as soon as that game ends, the football team is going to start. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm I'm excited for it because just a lot of LSU sports all at one time that we're gonna get to watch. So I'm pumped. Heck yeah, for I love it. it. Um, I love games back to back there like that. So LSU versus the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State is seven and five on the year. LSU, of course, is six and six. Uh, LSU gets a slight nod in the ESPN Power Index, 54% chance to win. Now, the point spread has changed drastically since the opening line. The opening line actually was a two-and-a-half point favorite to LSU. Now, with, I think, the realization of where LSU's roster stands, the point spread has swung like, 10 points to seven-point favorite now for Kansas State. And and this is a major uh, topic when we're speaking about this game is LSU's roster. Uh, They are thin, as thin as it gets. Um, They are just below 40 scholarship players for this game. And so we need to avoid injuries at all costs during this game, stay healthy, um, and the biggest question mark of the entire game is who's playing quarterback. We did get a release of a, of a depth chart earlier this week, and it did list Garrett Nussmeyer on that uh, depth chart. The, the whole thing was, would, would he play this game and burn his red shirt? Would they apply for a waiver to try to keep him in his red shirt and still play and you know all of this stuff and nobody knows the the answer to that whether he's been awarded this waiver whether he's not been awarded this waiver nobody knows and 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 so the other option was well you got Matt O'Dowd the walk-on quarterback or you got John Trey Kirkland who is playing receiver for you but played quarterback all his high school career well Matt O'Dowd is on crutches now so you got Nussmeyer and you got John Trey Kirkland. And you got Tavion Falk, but that's that's dire emergency situation. Um, so I don't know who's going to start for this game. I, I got to believe with Nussmeyer being listed on the roster depth chart, um, the way that the Wake Forest-Rutgers game was was handled, that how – how hard they tried to get the Rutgers into that game to make sure that bowl game was played. I th- I got to believe the NCAA also looks at the situation with LSU and the way the roster, you know, has fallen apart, it feels like, here at the end of the season that they allowed this waiver to go through so that this bowl game was worth watching. Zach, you can give me your thoughts on that, but I, I got I to gotta think Matt, that, that Garrett Nussmeyer is getting the start here. What do you think about this game? What's your prediction? And then I'll give you mine. Man, this is this is a hard one really to take because there's just so much that is happening right here with this ball game and, and, and with LSU's roster that is just all over the place and you really just have no clue what to expect. I mean, you can definitely expect 
to see a lot of guys that you have never heard of their name before and a lot of guys that are that are way down on the depth chart. Look, Damone Clark has opted out. Uh, Neil Farrell Jr. has opted out. Uh, Ty Davis Price has opted out. He's getting ready and preparing himself for the NFL draft, just as those other guys are. Of course, you had Max Johnson transfer. You had uh, Trey Palmer transfer. You had all these other transfers. Uh, Elias Ricks transfer. Cordell Flott is not going to be playing in the ballgame. I believe uh, Jay Ward is not going to be playing in the ballgame. No, I think he he is. He was listed on the depth chart. Dwight McLaughlin's not. Dwight McLaughlin is the, the guy I was thinking of. Um, so you're really, really thin uh, at cornerback. Um, so, man, this is going to be a really tough one to watch. But it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be an interesting game to watch. And certainly – uh, just going to be curious to see how LSU uh, schemes up offense. You know, I can expect the defense to continue to be uh, pretty pretty good. Obviously, the the uh, passing game is going to be a concern with LSU so thin in the secondary, but I can expect us to stop the run um, with with you know Mason Smith's going to be there, Jacoby and Guillory is going to be there. Of course, B. B. Joe Ojolari is going to be there. You're going to have uh, Mike Jones in, in at linebacker playing there. So a lot of a lot of guys that have played meaningful minutes are going to be on that first and second level of the defense. So we have to worry about the third level uh, in the secondary. On offense, though, it was already bad with your great starters and the very talented starters. Um, and now you have no clue who turned to a quarterback. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, Brad Davis has been keeping that hush-hush. But with them listing him on the depth chart and with John Trey Kirkling, there hasn't been anything said, but it looks to me, and I'm not breaking the news here, but it, it looks to me like he is going to be ineligible for this game. He's already had ineligibility problems at the beginning of the season, and then he was finally able to play a little bit near the end of the season. But now you're having to come into a next semester, and from your grades um, this semester, you know, you're having to worry about eligibility there. And I think based on John Trey Kirkland's tweet yesterday, his t- he tweeted um, that it was, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer's time to shine. And, and, and so he just mentioned Garrett Nussmeyer. And so you got to believe that, with him doing that, either Garrett Nussmeyer is playing and John Trey Kirkland is not, or Garrett's just going to get the start over John Trey Kirkland and, and John Trey Kirkland will still be available. But but John Trey was not on the depth chart. So that's the reason I believe that John Trey is not going to be in this game. I know a lot of people have speculated that John Trey Kirkland is going to be the quarterback. Um, there we On the Jordy Collada show, B.J. Ojolari mentioned – John Trey getting snaps. Uh, Kayshawn Butte mentioned that uh, he had been told that John Trey was going to be the starter, but it seems like from just from what I've seen and from the other things I've heard that it's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer, especially with Brad Davis keeping it on the hush-hush. Because you already know about Matt O'Dowd, you already know about John Trey Kirkland, and Kansas State was already preparing for that, so why would you be like, oh, we're going to keep it hush-hush? I think it's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer. So I think that's a positive. At running back, you're still going to have 
uh, Corey Connor. Armani Goodwin's a question mark, but you're going to have Corey Connor. You're going to have Trevante Bradford. And then of course you're gonna have to walk on Josh Williams. So, you know, it, you're going to be, you're going to be thin there no matter what. So it's going to be a, a really interesting ball game to watch for sure. Reagan, but to be honest with you, I, I don't think LSU is going to be able to score. <laughs> um, you know, maybe they'll score on some crazy magic plays that Garrett Nussmeyer drums up like he like he did in the Arkansas game. But I predict this to be a very low scoring ball game. I think it's going to come down to uh, the defense that can get the most stops, and I don't mean that in. A, a way to say that the offense is going to be high powered. It's just going to come down to which defense gets the one extra stop because they're really going to stop them. I think these defenses are going to be uh, the key to this ball game. They're going to get a lot of stops, but which defense is going to get that one extra stop? Right? You know this. This literally could be a seven to ten, seventeen to fourteen type ball game. I, I think, in my opinion, but. To be honest, I got to think Kansas State's going to win this ball game. Uh, they do not have the roster problems that LSU has. There's a lot less to worry about on the Kansas State side of the ball, and there is a lot of things that LSU is going to have to deal with. I mean, if you lose whoever, whoever it is, whoever it is at quarterback, if you lose that guy at quarterback, <laughs> I mean, dude, <laughs> what what do you do, like? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you, you just run wildcat the entire game. I don't know. So this game is it's 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 interesting, but it's definitely worth watching because I'm curious to see how Brad Davis has prepared for this, knowing that he only has 39 players on the roster. So aside from all the the roster here, you know we we've discussed that the roster has issues, right? That, that's a big topic here. I want to talk about the the game itself. Um, Kansas State very clearly, very obviously is a running team, a rushing offense, heavy. Their quarterback has thrown nine touchdowns the entire season. Nine. And he's only thrown for about 800, 1,800 yards, which isn't terrible, but that's still a lot less than than normal uh, throughout an entire season. However, their running back Deuce Vaughn has a twelve hundred twelve hundred yard season working, and he's got fifteen touchdowns. So, I, I think this bodes well for LSU because I think the defensive linemen that we have in this game can stop the run enough. And because their passing game isn't quite there, that helps us out on the back end of the defense where we're playing guys who don't have as much experience, they're young, whatever that may be. Um, because if you look at their top receiver on the year, um, Phillip Brooks has 474 yards and two touchdowns. Kayshawn Butte, who ain't played since the Kentucky game, has 509 yards and nine touchdowns. So, if that gives you any indication of their passing game, the quarterback has has nine touchdowns. Their leading receiver has two touchdowns. But you look at their running back, and he's got 15. So um, this bodes well for LSU and the fact that you got guys on the line who have experience, who started, 
and who've been in meaningful games, in uh, important games, and have played a lot. Um, so that's going to be – I think our defense against their offense is going to be advantage LSU. Now, like we've discussed with offense, I have I really have no clue what to expect. We know Garrett Nussmeyer is a gunslinger, and he can sling the ball. And I don't think receiver is much of a concern – is too much of a concern in this game. I mean, you're going to have Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh, um, John, uh, Jare Jenkins, um, who else? Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. So I, there's going to be guys that are good, are, are good enough to get open. Um, and I think Corey Connor is good enough to, to – be the guy who takes the most handoffs in this game. Like, I think he can do just fine. But with Jake Peets making the play calls, with all this kind of piece together, like, it just – you don't know what to expect. I mean, we, we saw what the offense was with Max Johnson and all those receivers, and it was just lackluster and sloppy and – slow and lethargic and and all of those adjectives that are negative about this offense. (laughs) So I I don't know if we can expect much more when you put Garrett Nussmeyer in. And and it goes back to the Arkansas game that we talked about. I I don't think it mattered whether Max Johnson or whether Garrett Nussmeyer was in the game because Jake Peets couldn't scheme and, and game plan good enough to score enough points to win games. It was such a yeah. pathetic offense. It was like it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, it feels like. So like like LSU fans, don't forget Jake Peets is still the offensive coordinator yeah, right now. Like he's he's y'all, he's the offensive coordinator for this game. So we're we're gonna find out. You know, we're gonna find out what this is about tonight. It's gonna be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, I hope for Brad Davis and for the LSU Tigers, of course, that we win this game. But I just don't see LSU with the way this roster is, the way like it feels like it's just been puzzle pieced together. It feels like there's just like a few stitches holding the thing together, right? It feels like anything could just make it fall through. Oh, they're, they're coming apart right now. Yeah, it's – so, and then you look at Kansas State, and there's not much roster attrition. They've got their starting guys. I, I got to take Kansas State in a close ball game here. Um, as much as I want the Tigers to win, I, I think Kansas State with guys who've played all year long, they're they're not going through a coaching change. All of these factors, I got to take Kansas State. Um, as much as I want LSU to keep that streak going of winning records, um, it just is what it is with coaching changes. This is what tends to happen. And then when you have guys who are academically ineligible, transfers, injuries, it doesn't help. So um, this game is going to be interesting to say the least. I have no idea what to expect, but – I hope the Tigers come out with the W. So continuing to talk about football here a little bit, Zach, the staff is almost complete. LSU has hired a few more 
staff positions, uh, three, namely being, of course, the offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, quarterback coach, um, Jake Sloan, and defensive line coach and run game coordinator, Jamar Kane. Uh, all three of these guys, just a little background here. Of course, Denmark, or excuse me, Denbrock, uh, was Cincinnati's offensive coordinator uh, the past few seasons. And, I mean, he just came out of a playoff game. I understand that they didn't perform, you know, the way everybody, I guess Cincinnati fans would have wanted them to, but you're playing Alabama and you're way outmatched when you're Cincinnati. He really, in that game, I think, called a great game. There was open receivers. Uh, there were wide open receivers, and they either dropped balls or the ball got batted at the line or Desmond Ritter didn't hit the guy. So I, I liked the the play calling in that game. It just wasn't really executed that well when you're so athletically outmatched. Jake Sloan, the, the story on him is he is a young uh, – smart, offensive-minded guy uh, who who knows Louisiana, who has Louisiana ties, and has recruited the Louisiana-Baton Rouge area for Louisiana Tech. He was Louisiana Tech's offensive coordinator. So you add another piece to the staff that, that can recruit those areas, who know those areas, who know those high school coaches. And Jamar Kane is the defensive line coach uh, he was the defensive line coach at Oklahoma. It was expected that he was going to be uh, taking a job at USC with Lincoln Riley. Instead, he has joined Brian Kelly's new staff. Zach, give me your thoughts on these hires. What do you think about it? Positive, negatives? Yeah, I like the hires. I really like Den Brock. I think he doesn't get as much credit as he should for what Cincinnati did in the Alabama game. As you mentioned, Alabama just obviously outsized them. They outmatched them. They out-athleted them just in, in every aspect of the ball game. It felt like Alabama was just playing with their food. And really, they just completely dominated that game. But Mike Denbrock, as you said, I think he caught a great game. And so I'm really looking forward to him. And if you go back and if you look at Brian Kelly's tenure, the best offenses that he had was when Mike Denbrock was his OC. And so now he brings the best offensive mind that he had while he's been a head coach. He brings that to LSU. You know, Jake Sloan, I think the most important thing is, you know, he knows the area. He can recruit Louisiana. That's really, really big. He has really, I think, done a fantastic job at putting together, honestly, in my opinion, one of the best staffs that we have seen in the, the, the past few years. Uh, I mean, other than the last time that Nick Saban was head coaching at LSU and the staff that he had when he had Dooley and, and Muschamp and and Fit Jimbo Fisher and you know all those guys that were just absolute uh, you know really really good football minds at their positions and of course a lot of those guys ended up going on to be head coaches elsewhere you know I think I think this is that type of staff I really do and obviously that's going to play out we're going to see that play out in the next coming years. But I like the hires. 
I'm really impressed with them. LSU fans, don't be discouraged uh, with with Denbrock based on one game that you watched. Like, compare, just look at the play calling. Look at the play calling. Um, Reagan, do you remember the the play where they faked the wide receiver screen and they had uh, the running back wide open and and they weren't able to complete that play? Like, what what if they complete that? You know, what if they hit the slant earlier in the ball game on their first drive? You know, there's so many different scenarios that you can mention. Like, the play calling was there. But now take that play calling and put LSU athletes in that scheme. And what's it going to look like? Like, what's that scheme going to look like when you got Kayshawn Butte, uh, Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, um, and then either, you know, Miles Brennan, um, Garrett Nussmeyer, Walker Howard, like, you name it. Like just put those athletes in that system, and, and and let's let's wait and see what that looks like before we begin to judge and say, well, you know, against Alabama they put up six points, and well, yeah, it's it's Cincinnati versus Alabama as we've talked about. So I really like the hires. I'm encouraged by them, but obviously with all hires, it's it's a wait and see. Yeah, and I mean, let's get real here. Uh yeah, Cincinnati scored six points, and then Brock was the OC against Alabama. Jake Peets and DJ Mangus uh, scored fourteen points in Tuscaloosa this year. I think Den Brock, with the receivers and the type of talent we have at LSU, can do a lot better. This is going to be the best roster, uh, the best talented players that Brian Kelly and Den Brock have ever seen. I mean, they're going to look at guys like Kayshawn Butte and just be like, you know, jaw hits the floor, round run, round one pick type of player next year. So I, I, I really like the way Kelly has has put this staff together. People were kind of worried, you know, Matt House, he's he's not as young. Well, Denbrock, he's not as young, but like, I, I feel like he's got this great two groups within the staff. It's like there's experience and yes, there's some age and then there's youthfulness and creative comes wisdom. Right. So you have Denbrock and Matt house, and then you turn and you got like young creative Went. minds, good recruiting, and then guys who've experienced and, and have wisdom within the game. So this staff I think can come together and gel really well with the roster that LSU is going to put on the field next year. And I'm excited to see how it all comes together. The last uh, hire that, that is expected to be made is Cortez Hankton. Uh, he is Georgia's wide receiver uh, coach right now. I mean, this I'm not reporting this by any means, but it is expected that whenever the championship game is over, either the next day or within the next few days of the championship game being played, that Cortez Hankton will be announced as LSU's next receiver coach. And and I got to think he's also going to be passing game coordinator as well as we haven't seen someone uh, get that title yet within the hires. And, of course, the guy you, you're you going to hire work to work with your receivers, you most likely want him to be your passing game coordinator. So I'm excited. If we land Cortez Hankton, I mean, 
Georgia's always had great receivers as well. I mean, right now they got Jermaine Burton and George Pickens. And so I'm excited about what Brian Kelly has put together here. And Brian Kelly himself, I'm super pumped about that. He's going to bring organization and stability and all the things that Ed Orgeron was not to this staff, to this program. And boy, what a breath of fresh air it is to have somebody with uh, some stateliness about him, some uh, professionalism, organiz- organization, some, you know, he has put an entire staff together and it feels like he hasn't had to go and ask Joe Brady, hey, who should I hire? Or, or go ask Dave Aranda, who should I hire? You know what I mean? Like he has the brains enough to go out and evaluate and have a search done and pick the coaches he wants. And that really excites me from a head coach yeah. standpoint with him, which that's what you expected out of Brian Kelly with his resume, with his tenure, and who Brian Kelly is. Zach, do you have any more comments on the staff and, and what you'd like to see? No, man, I'm, I'm just really – I'm excited about next year. It feels like next year can't get here soon enough with all the hype around this team and and still all the talent. And guess what? Hey, we still have a lot to do in this recruiting class. We've got a lot of transfers that LSU is going to bring in. We got some, some high schoolers uh, from the uh, 2022 class that we are awaiting to see their decisions. Jacoby Matthews, of course, Trevante citizen. I mean, a lot of those guys that um, LSU is in the mix on, we are waiting to see the announcement uh, where, of the schools they are going to go to. And a lot of those guys are, are heavy LSU lean. Of course, also with the transfer portal, some some big names have entered the transfer portal. Some some big names have entered the transfer portal uh, from Notre Dame, from, from other uh, top Power 5 schools that LSU could be in the mix for. So it's it's really exciting, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if a few Notre Dame players made their way down to Baton Rouge either. There's been three enter their name here recently. You had an offensive lineman, a DB, and a linebacker all enter their name in the portal at Notre Dame. And you got to think Brian Kelly's going to be picking up the phone and calling them. Uh, Interestingly so, enough, that's where you need players, <laughs> those three absolutely. positions. Absolutely. So – it's going to be a fun time to see Kelly put this staff together, to put this recruiting class together, and we can get ready and look forward to the next season. Let's put a lid on this episode. Appreciate you always supporting us and listening. Go follow us on Twitter, Tigers Avenue Pod, at Tigers Avenue Pod. And we'll see you next time in episode 14 in the Tigers Avenue. See you later. Peace.